Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm the managing editor of MDDI. On today's episode of Let's Talk MedTech, we're going to be having a discussion with Dr. Jeff Oxnard, Vice President and Global Medical Lead of Foundation Medicine's Liquid Biopsy Portfolio. Foundation Medicine has been making MedTech headlines lately because it has received a ton of FDA approvals. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Oxnard about those approvals, and we're also going to be speaking with him about the liquid biopsy landscape. Where is it now? Where is it going? We're going to be talking to him and picking his brain about a variety of topics regarding tissue biopsy as well. So without further ado, here's the interview. Well, Jeff, welcome to Let's Talk MedTech. I'm glad that you could take the time to be with us today. Wanted to speak to you a little bit about Foundation Medicine and its uh, busy week last week. I understand that uh, the company won new indications for um, a lot of its liquid biopsy tests um, as companion diagnostics. So could you talk to us a little bit about that? Could you kind of walk us through some of those approvals? Sure, Omar. Uh, thank you for having me here. Um, we uh, were very excited uh, at the end of August to have received FDA approval of Foundation One Liquid CDX. Um, this test is really an evolution for Foundation Medicine, which has been working on liquid biopsy approaches for years, uh, and over this time has evolved in its ambition and in perfecting its technology to achieve this. Uh, and so getting this FDA approval is a big mark of the rigor that we've put in the development of this and the validity of the result. Uh, and we're very excited with that FDA approval to keep it growing to maximize its impact on patients and on patient care. Um, when the test was originally FDA approved for over 300 different genes um, with a, a profiling approval for across all tumors, it came with four CDX claims in two different diseases, lung cancer and prostate cancer. And those CDX claims are specific ways in which the FDA supports the actionability of the results so that users of these tests across oncology can figure out how to use them best for their patients. Um, and with the most recent FDA approval, we've now added additional CDX claims. So that adds up to separate and different uh, drugs in four different diseases. Um, and, and I think it's just a marker of how we aspire that we will be able to add to the cancer care across all oncology to help cancer patients get the best treatment. True. Interesting, interesting. Um, I noticed that there was an approval for a tissue-based companion diagnostic. And I, you know, I thought that the industry was moving more toward liquid biopsy. Now I know that tissue still has its relevance and, and it's it's pretty much uh, the standard at this point, but there seems to be this discussion over the benefits of, of liquid over solid or the promise of liquid over solid. Can you talk about this shifter or maybe comment on the liquid biopsy landscape as a whole? Sure. I see these two tests as very clearly complementary. Uh, and I think that's very exciting about what Foundation Medicine offers, which is a portfolio of diagnostics for different cancer patients. Uh, and 
to take a tissue NGS test, especially if you have a great specimen available. Uh, that is the most reliable way to get uh, a result. Um, versus you might take a liquid test first. Uh, if you have a patient where you're not sure where the tissue specimen is or where the tissue specimen is of unreliable uh, adequacy. But even that liquid test, that liquid biopsy very clearly has a limitation, which is that if negative, reflects the tissue. And that's because we know that in cancer patients, these circulating tumor DNA levels, they are variable. And when you have a lot of cell-free DNA floating around and a lot of tumor DNA in there, you can get a really reliable liquid biopsy that tells the whole story. And by the way, that's how we've designed f one CDX. that if you have 10, 20, 30% tumor content in the blood, we tell you that. And that says this is a really robust result. Um, it's even hard to get a, a tissue result sometimes as rich as that. But other times, in the blood, there are low levels of cell-free DNA from the tumor. And you are really scraping the barrel to find that tumor signal. And that's why F1LCDX has enhanced sensitivity for TG to help you get an answer when there are low levels. But sometimes there is no tumor DNA in the blood. And when there's no tumor DNA, you're going to have a falsely negative result in the liquid bias. And it's clear you need to reflex the tissue. And so even in a world where you are starting with a liquid biopsy for some patients based upon convenience uh, or, 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 or you know, the, the, the availability of that blood test, uh, you need to be ready to use tissue on backup. And in other patients, especially cases where tumor shed is low, you might start with, with tumor NGS. These two approaches are very much complementary. And for us to be experts in how we deliver precision cancer care for our patients, we need to know how to use them together so that every patient has every stone unturned to create treatment options for them. So we're definitely not going to see liquid biopsy supplant uh, tissue biopsy in the next 10 years or so. No, definitely not. Um, and, and partly that's, you know, let's recognize what the tissue assay F1 CDX has done. This is a really actionable test. What we see from this in the past month is the addition of FDA approvals for pan tumor markers, any solid tumor with BTN, well, excuse me, with TMB high. Um, there is evidence now of clinical efficacy of pembrolizumab. You can use immunotherapy as a, as a treatment option based upon this genomic signature on tumor NGS. Um, and similarly, we now can look for TREC fusions. And indeed, there are other rare fusions out there we're going to be also trying to add to, to, to tell that story that even across a range of cancer types, you can find targetable fusions and create target therapy options. And, and so what F1CDX now has is not only the validity and rigor of FDA approval, but also this growing number of actionable CDX claims. We aspire to make our liquid biopsy just as actionable, sure, but we also recognize that the two are going to be complementary and will need to be used together to get the best care for our patients. And we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Oxnard. But now I thought it'd be a good time to mention that we have MedTech Unfiltered, and that's a Facebook Live event that usually happens every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and is hosted by MDDI's news editor, Amanda Peterson. It can be found on MDDI's 
Facebook page. And it's an amazing show where no topic, as long as it's related to med tech, is, is, is off topic. And Amanda just really brings the fire and has intense discussions about everything surrounding med tech and the diagnostics industry. If you get a chance, check it out. Again, it's MedTech Unfiltered, and you can find it Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MDDI's Facebook page. And now back to our conversation. Now, I want to stay on this. Um, I want to stay on liquid biopsy for, for just a minute and look at what's happening in the liquid biopsy space. Uh, on the business side, we've seen new contenders come in. We've seen some uh, major acquisitions and mergers happened just within the last month. Um, how should we look at this space from a competitive standpoint? And how does foundation medicine continue to stay at the forefront? Or is it even uh, realistic to, to look at it as, as a competitive field? Or are you all just trying to lay the foundation, no pun intended, uh, for liquid biopsy uh, for the future? I would see it as an exciting space, uh, a space for creativity. I think that is why you see this growth that uh, blood tests um, are, are flexible in how they can be used. And, and so now there are all these creative ways that we can start thinking about using blood tests at different points during the patient's journey. And it's that opportunity uh, that creates excitement and, and we're, we're eager uh, to see that um, because it's, it's a reflection of enthusiasm. I think a lot of folks are putting into developing tests. And so let's think through what are the various ways that one could use a blood test uh, to add precision to the care of a cancer patient. Um, certainly one that we're that's, you know, very clear in front of our eyes is the opportunity to monitor that treatment you have just started, right? And so you reach for a therapy, let's say immunotherapy, uh, and you know the outcome's going to be dramatic, but you're never quite sure who's going to be uh, a, a responder on immunotherapy. Can you then use repeat testing of the blood uh, in order to figure out who's a success versus not and do that early so you can adapt your plan? Well, yes, we know that there is evidence. Uh, we, we have a recent collaboration with Friends of Cancer Research around the CT monitor effort showing that repeat testing of CT DNA across a range of cohorts and a range of platforms allows you to identify patients who are going to do dramatically better uh, versus not. And so we're motivated to develop technologies to meet that clinical need. Uh, and that is a collaboration that we've articulated with um, with Sarah, uh, where we are together building a tracking assay that builds off of tissue NGS. So you can have baseline NGS to tell you what treatment to use and then a tracking tool to help you know if that treatment is on track or you need to adjust your plan. Um, so that's one example of a, of a creative use of blood tests to help improve precision cancer care. The other application is, is of course, in the uh, cancer detection space. Wouldn't it be great to know in a patient with a history of cancer, if their cancer is cured or not, could a blood test help you gain insight into that? I mean, that is very technologically tricky requires a really clean insight into the cancer signal versus the non-cancer signal might require multiple uh, signals pieced together. We recently acquired a company, Lexus Biosciences, which has a multi-omic approach where you can, using methylation, 
magnetomics look for that signal in the blood and identify level of cancer DNA. And that kind of a tool can help you see cancer in the blood in a way that can adapt to a precision tool. So I think that the growth is a measure of all of this enthusiasm. And what we want to be able to do is make it clear. We believe in that opportunity. We believe in liquid biopsy. And, and we want to empower our collaborators uh, to, to uh, work with us creatively and think of ways to, to advance this opportunity. Amazing. And, and you're doing so much with liquid biopsy right now. And the field is wide open. I would ask this follow-up question: Where do you think we are in liquid biopsies growth? Are we at the very beginning, the middle, the end? I know we're not at the end. Just trying to kind of set the parameters here. But where would you say we were in the life cycle of liquid biopsy into how far it can be built out? The very early days, or where? I yeah, not the early days. I guess I would say we are at a tipping point. Um, FDA approval of liquid biopsy for all solid tumor profiling uh, suddenly means that this test is relevant to a huge range of cancer patients. Uh, and whereas NGS used to be kind of a thing mostly done in lung cancer and a few other cancer types, uh, we're now seeing incredible growth uh, in prostate cancer. For example, with, with our recent uh, prostate cancer CDX, we see this opportunity for growth across all of oncology. Uh, and so I think that's a tipping point. When you have the FDA saying, look, these tests have enough rigor and validity that they should be a part, a standalone piece of your routine cancer care. Well, now, as docs start, start ordering these tests, start capitalizing on, capitalizing on these results, I think there really can be uh, a lot of momentum, uh, maybe even acceleration, and how there becomes clinical demand for using them more and more in creative ways. Um, let's make it clear that with FDA approval, we also made the test available within days, right? So it's not a fan, approval, not enough. Mm-hmm. Availability is essential and it is available globally at one LCDX and accessibility. And this test is accessible. With FDA approval comes CMS coverage for Medicare patients and rapidly accumulating commercial insurance coverage uh, so that this test is out there and can be used right now uh, to help guide treatment. And that, I think, is the tipping point that will really start to accelerate things. That FDA approval is so crucial, and it really is a tipping point, as you say. Um, It's just incredible. And I was just impressed that you were able to get so many indications all at one time. Uh, when I was uh, first, when I first found out the story, I was just, it was just amazing because all these indications came at once, and it was just mind blowing. But um, kudos to, to Foundation. I, what I want to go to now is, and I understand our time is growing short, but what I want to go to now is any upcoming collaborations with pharma companies or any upcoming studies, anything. Uh, that you can talk about uh, about the company with that, that might be coming up that you can tease to, that you can let the audience know what is foundation going to be working on within the next few months to a year or so? Uh, sure. And so I, I can certainly speak to our commitment to further growth of actionability, right? That, that uh, this test is an evolution of our technology, and even our FDA approval is an evolution of our relationship with the 
FDA, uh, we are working together to make this test as usable as possible in the clinic. That process will go on to, to layer on as, as much additional actionability as we can make evidence for, and we are committed to that evidence generation. You know, as you can tell from, from the you know, large number of CDXs on our tissue a panel, that's of course our aspiration for our liquid panel. So that at a minimum uh, is a reflection of our commitment to a reliable detection of key actionable variants. And let's just recognize the complexity of this. Uh, this includes you know, small variants, fusion variants, so important to detect them reliably and we are really committed to our performance in that space. Um, and a growing number of complex genomic signatures you can find in the blood, we need to both detect them rigorously and make them actionable. That's the first piece. But the second piece, and I allude to this already, is finding the space for these newer technologies that, that empower the next creative use of, uh, of, of liquid biopsy and of blood-based testing. And I think the, the near-term opportunity is finding a space for cancer monitoring where we actually empower clinicians to use this modern approach at Minotera uh, to start their plan and then adapt their plan with a blood test. It gives them a signal back and tells them they're on track or not. I really am hopeful that that can uh, be a very patient-centered way of fitting a new opportunity, which is helping in a world where there are so many treatments out there helping clinicians to pick a treatment and then know if they made the right choice uh, and double down on that approach versus adapt. It's a totally new therapeutic paradigm that we are attempting to empower uh, in a world where treatment options are growing and honestly clinician uh, confusion and patient confusion can grow. We want to be a solution to make that easier on patients and on physicians. Well, it will be exciting to watch Foundation Medicine's journey in this. Uh, Jeff, thanks once again for coming on Let's Talk MedTech. Appreciate having you. Pleasure speaking, Elmar. Thanks. All right, thank you.